1: And the rookie-to-rookie rookie action outside the blue door. He'll get the flyby. Three on the way, and he rattles it in.
0: The SGA defended closely by Westbrook. Tough, step back, gets up the shot. bakes it in play. This is Udart. You're listening to The Uncontested.
1: What is up, and welcome to The Uncontested podcast. Coming to you Wednesday, April 27th. Proud part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network, the official podcast of SI Thunder. I'm your host, Jacob Niffen. I've got J.D. Silva with me. Fellas. And we also have a special guest with us today. He covers the NBA and college basketball. He's the NBA draft guru for Sports Illustrated. We got Jeremy Wu with us. Jeremy, how's it going, man?
2: Hey, guys. What's up? How are
1: you? Great, great. Hey, before we dive into draft stuff, Jeremy, I know you've been following along with the NBA playoffs, so I got to ask biggest surprise of the playoffs so far. As the time that we're recording, we only have one series that's completed.
0: Right.
1: Uh, what, but what's your biggest surprise?
2: Honestly, I mean like I haven't been watching every single playoff game, but I did think that the Nets would at least put up more of a fight. Like I wouldn't have pegged them to get swept like I just didn't think that was going to happen. Uh maybe I could have seen that coming. Uh but I would say that. I mean like the Western Conference series that have been good like the the, you know the Phoenix New Orleans series and the um the Minnesota Memphis series like i had a feeling those are going to be entertaining and those have been pretty fun to watch those are the two i've been watching the, the most closely um but yeah definitely the nets kind of just bowing out like that was sort of kind of sad to watch i mean like you know as a, someone who enjoys watching kd a lot um, that you know it's kind of a bummer especially yeah, at the I game think I 1 said, yeah yeah
1: i think i saw a stat today that as far as point differential for a series Uh, That had the lowest point differential of any sweep ever. I think that's right. That all the games were like incredibly so close that like there was no other sweep that, that had that big of a point differential, really fascinating stuff. Um, Yeah. I think that might be the most, the most surprising one for me as well. I I figured six or seven. uh, I really liked Boston in that series, but all right, well let's dive into some draft stuff, Jeremy, Um, before we get into the specifics of the 2022 class, We wanted to just pick your brain a little bit. So you're always uh, evaluating players, putting together mock drafts, big boards, uh, all these types of things. from From an outsider's perspective, for your job, like what goes into that? How How do you make those determinations? How much is it of like your own personal scouting versus uh, talking to to league scouts versus uh, talking to front office people? what is the kind of the balance there on how you put all of this stuff together?
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, I think like it would be hard to like put like a number, like describing like how I would balance it, like percentage wise in terms of all those things, but those are all definitely uh, factors. Um, I think it's just, it's hard because it's such an ongoing kind of year round thing. Um, I would say like, I mean, the biggest thing is like I go to a ton of games. Um, Like I don't, I can't remember the exact number, but I went to like, you know, between college and high school and whatever the different levels are. I went to like, you know, 80 something games this year. Um, And so that's the biggest thing. It's a big time factor. Um, But like, you know, over the years, you know, the more I've been able to do of that and the more you know, ability I've had to be on the road, I think the better I've gotten at my job. So that (laughs) definitely is a big part. Like um, so a a lot of it, you know, so we do two different things. Like, you know, we'll do the the big board on our site. You know, that's more of my opinion. And uh, you know, every conversation I have, you know, with, with anyone is kind of an input and sort of maybe guides, you know, what I'm watching and who I'm watching or whatever. Uh, But the big board is more of like my ranking where like over the years too, I'm more willing to sort of take liberties and put guys who I like kind of higher uh, relative to what's actually going to happen. But then the mock draft, I would say the way I do that is much more intel based, particularly as we get closer to the draft. Uh, And that's really just trying to predict what's going to happen. And uh, it's more of like a like a news style, the way that I do it, where it's like, this is the latest on this, uh, you know, and that factors in Intel more heavily, uh, et cetera. So like, I, I guess that's how I would differentiate those two things. But for, for me, it's kind of an ongoing, always ongoing thing that I'm thinking about, uh, which is, you know, good for for the output but also can, can be uh, a lot to deal with uh, sometimes. Uh, so, you know, April, I've been trying to take a little bit of a mental break. Um, you know, from watching I, this week, I got back to watching tape, but after the final four, I kind of took a break because I just needed to kind of reset my brain.
3: Yeah, You hit on something I, uh, I wanted to ask you about there. Um, I know you, you mentioned you go to a ton of games. You're obviously collecting a lot of information yourself. You talk to scouts, maybe front office uh, executives, things like that. Um, how how hard is it to differentiate what they're telling you, what you're collecting yourself and then you know form your own opinion? Like, is that a, is that a tough thing to balance?
2: Um, I don't think so. I think, I think probably when I started doing this, when I was younger, you know, probably a little bit more sticky with opinions. Cause you're kind of like learn, like when you're learning how to scout and all that stuff, like, I think you're more likely to just kind of listen to whoever you respect. And, uh, I think, you know, over the years now, and I got, I'm kind of a person who, I have strong opinions about things. I don't always write like the strongest version of my opinion about stuff, but like I've always been a person who has opinions on things. So I think that part of it kind of came naturally to me where, um, you know, I can kind of figure out what I think and I'm willing to, you know, listen and budge or whatever. Like I'm not, I try very hard to not be like too rooted into my own opinions. Cause that in the past has also hurt. Um, but I, I think just, you know, knowing people you trust. And I also have been fortunate, um, you know, to, a lot of people around the NBA, you know, over the years, you know, I've become friends with them. They, they give me the time um, and, you know, honest opinions where who I can kind of trust their opinion on a player and they, they trust that, you know, I'm not necessarily going to, you know, blow up, <laughs> you know, what they're talking about, but like, uh, you know, being able to get sort of on, more unfiltered information uh, has definitely helped me do my job.
1: You also talked a lot about uh, a few minutes ago, the mock draft aspect for you that there's a lot more Intel gathering there. Uh, especially as you get closer to the draft. Um, the past few years have been weird because the draft has not been at its normal time. We had a November draft. And then mm-hmm. last year we had like a July draft. Um, getting back on a normal schedule now though, is is there, obviously as we get closer to the draft, things start to become a little more clear on the the intel gathering. But is there like a line of delineation somewhere where you can say like, okay, now we're getting into like, really what a draft board is going to look like versus, you know, maybe earlier in the year when it's kind of a crapshoot everywhere. Is there at some point a time where the the Intel starts becoming like a little more solid and things start to clear up a little bit?
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I would say, yeah, with, with the mock draft, like the, you know, the ones that I do, you know, early in the season, mid season, that is that just naturally winds up being a little bit more steeped in, you know, I try to, you know, the corporate's Intel, but also it's still my opinion is going to kind of influence how I'm doing it. Cause it's like, I kind of think, you know, at that time you are kind of just guessing like, this is where I think this guy's going to go and you don't have the full season or the full body of work a lot of the time. So like, you know, you're kind of just dealing in abstractions. Um, but yeah, now, particularly in May, like, you know, as soon as we know the draft order and the lottery, you know, then it's much, much more um, Intel based just because, you know, just even from the perspective, like, we know who has which pick, um, you know, the dynamics of, you know, the order, like, who needs what, and, like, how that's going to affect those things, like, over time, and you kind of learn how to, you know, try to, like, read the tea leaves with that stuff, and that's kind of what it becomes, like, whenever I have to explain this to people who, like, know know nothing about basketball, like, people like, who ask me about, like, what I do, it's, I I say it's kind of, like, almost, like, being a spy, like, working for the CIA, because you're kind (laughs) of just, like, this different information. And a lot of it is information people don't want to be public and you're deciding what to do with it and like how to use it. And, um, you know, it's, it's very inexact science, but that's like how I explain it. Um, particularly with you know everything that from the lottery until the draft is is kind of like that for me. For sure.
1: That's, that's a funny way to look at it. You're Maybe after your basketball days, Jeremy, you've got a got a future <laughs> in the NSA or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> let, so let's transition over to this draft class specifically, the 2022 class. Uh, we're coming up about, what, now two and a half weeks away from the lottery. Um, just your overall thoughts on the 2022 class, especially coming on the heels of – what we thought pre-draft and now after their rookie season is looking like a really, really good 2021 class. What are your thoughts on this class?
2: Yeah. Um, you know, I think this class, particularly I think at the start of the year, um, I think I wrote this too, but I think, I don't think this was ever like a necessarily a bad class, but I do think there was a lot of uncertainty in terms of like who's going to be evaluated where, uh, and like people had, you know, ranging opinions. Um, I think probably some of what affected the that way we thought about it was like you said, uh, you know, the twenty twenty one rookies, so many of them were so good right away and hit the ground running where it's you know, and no matter what you're looking at, it's kinda kinda like pale in comparison, um, at least, you know, for the first couple months. And, you know, now we have enough time to kind of stew on it. And I I you know, I don't think this is a bad draft. I I I think Again, I do think that once you get to maybe like 12 to 13 guys, like then after that, the whole thing can go a lot of different ways right now. Um, There's a whole lot that's going to kind of still hinge on the pre-draft process just because, again, you know, some years you can get to like 20 guys for like these guys are solid first round picks. And, you know, this year, you know, I mean, I think we have a sense sort of, you know, more than half the guys are going to be for sure first rounders, but um, there's still a lot that's going to have to play out. Uh, So You know, for me, I can get to about guys who I genuinely think are good prospects. I can get to about, you know, nine, ten guys who I do genuinely like, um, which is not always the case. So.
3: A big story over the last week or so, and uh, learned some more about it today, was Shaden Sharp declaring for the draft. Uh, I think it was Gavoni ruled him like uh, he reported that it was uh, he was officially eligible to be in the NBA draft and play in the NBA. What are what's what's your like high level? thoughts on Shaden Sharp. I know there's not much out there on it besides like one-on-one workouts and what he did pre uh kentucky sure yeah um so fortunately
2: uh i did watch him play twice uh, at peach jam last summer so i had a sense of kind of who he was at the time i wasn't like totally keyed into the situation being what it was uh but then you know sort of understanding it as the year went on like i think pretty much everyone in the NBA kind of expected him as soon as he reclassified to go to Kentucky, everybody kind of was just working with the assumption that he'd probably be in the draft, and, you know, until there was like some firm, uh, you know, thing otherwise. So it's not a surprise. Um, but yeah, he, I think the biggest thing Sharp is going to have going for him is just like his ability to create his own shot is pretty strong. Uh, and he's a good athlete. Um, he just, he moves really smoothly. He can separate kind of going like step, stepping back and going to the side and um again he's he's super young and he's you know hasn't he will have lost a whole year of like real game time but like uh you know from what i heard you know he was often the best player pretty clearly the best player slash prospect in the Kentucky practices which should not be a surprise um so you know i think teams at least have a handle on what his skill set is and you know fortunately there's more access to like film from the UIBL so we can see that um but yeah so he's a good athlete he's a scorer uh, i think there's a question in terms of like how much of a playmaker is he for teammates like he's not a point guard Uh, You know, he has, like, a scoring wing. Um, You know, he's got some length, but he's not always, like, an active defender. You know, he kind of – you know, there are moments where he kind of lazes around in the flow of the game, and and that's always tough with teenagers because he's, like, far from the first, you know, teenage star to not care about doing those things. But obviously it helps if you do that stuff. (laughs) But uh, I wouldn't, like, you know, write him off because he doesn't, you know, always get back or whatever. But, you know, teams are kind of parsing that stuff. I think ultimately the interviews with him are going to be big. Uh, you know, they're going to want to believe in the person and, you know, I'm pretty sure he'll look good in a one-on-one workout. Like he can shoot it, you know, he's a good athlete, like all that stuff. So, you know, I think it levels out. He'll go somewhere between like four and eight, I would say I, if I had a guess, but like it could go any which way, depending on the lottery.
1: Interesting. So that range maybe kind of alludes to your answer for this next question, but, uh, staying on shade and sharp as far as those wings in the top 10, you know, we're looking at guys like Jaden Ivy, Ben Matherin, uh, Johnny Davis, uh, AJ Griffin, where would you put him? Like if you had to rank those guys in order of like highest ceiling prospects or, uh, even just like where they're going to go in the draft, is he at the very top? Do you still have Jaden Ivey ahead of him? Uh, where does he kind of fall in that pecking order?
2: Yeah. um, So we're talking about the yeah the perimeter guys. I mean, I I would still you know Ivy as frustrating as he is, I think I would still expect him to go first in that group, uh, just because I think his highs were so high and it's very easy to see uh, the upside with him. Like for him, interviews are going to be big too. Um, But you know, I saw Ivy play like six times this year in person, and you know I saw him play just really really bad a couple times, and I. I was at his game against Texas in the NCAA tournament where he was like incredible. And I was, I was like blown away, uh, with that. So like, I would guess he goes first. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think Sharp can probably be, he could easily be the next one off the board. Um, you know, I I would say, you know, him, uh, Johnny Davis, um, Matherin maybe Griffin. I think, I think Griffin is probably more of like a mid to late lottery guy. Um, Dyson Daniels probably goes more in like the mid to late, um, but, yeah, I mean, I would say Sharp is probably, you know, in that group. Like, he, I could see him going ahead of Davis. I could see him going ahead of Griffin. Um, maybe not ahead of Ivy.
3: Gotcha. Talking about the the top of this draft is interesting. There's a lot of bigs, a lot of bigs up there. Uh, last last draft, it kind of seemed the consensus was, all right, Cade Cunningham, we know he's going one. Do you, at this point, feel like there is a defined, like, top prospect in this draft? Or do you think it's going to be more, like, team-based?
2: Um. So... I've said all year that it's Jabari Smith and um, well, I guess not all year, but in December. Um, but I was like, I felt pretty definitive about it after I went to see him play. Like I, I started the year with Ben Caro at one. And then I watched a couple of games on tape. And I was like, I need to probably go <laughs> like, I, I can't wait until January to go see this guy. So I, I went and saw him play in, in December. Uh, and, you know, to me, it was like pretty obvious. And I would say like, you know, based on the conversations I've had with people around the NBA over the course of the year, like my sense was that it was always trending towards Jabari being number one, like because he's such an easy fit on any team. And I just think he's the best prospect. Um, and I do think there are a lot of people who feel that way. Um, obviously, you can't say anything definitively, but like, you know, if I had to handicap that, I would continue to say most likely it will be Jabari Smith, um, no matter who wins. Um, but obviously I could be wrong, but that, that's just has been my read on the situation for a while.
1: Interesting. So let me throw a hypothetical out there for you real quick. Then Jeremy, um, w- we see a lot of mock drafts all over the internet that vary on those, really those top three, uh, Bancaro, uh, Jabari Smith and Chet rotating into that number one spot. Um, and the biggest knock we hear on Chet obviously is, is the size is the weight. If Chet was, ent- was entering the draft like 30 pounds more than he is right now, does that change your, your perspective? And does that vault him to number one or is it more of a skill set slash seamless fit for Jabari that, that really puts him in that number one spot?
2: Yeah. Um, it's a good question. I think it's hard to really accurately answer that just because I think that, you know, if you put 30 pounds on Chet, uh, I don't know if we, I don't know if we could say he'd be the same player. Right. And I think that's part of the the big challenge that I've had with him, um, is because, I think the people who are really, really pro-Chet, and there's definitely like a vehement, like pro-Chet, like sect of the internet uh, that I see, I see talking about Chet and it's like, it's like, oh, forget about his body, but it's like, no, you can't, because it, not only is it a, a part of the risk, but it's also a big part of why he is so successful, right? Like the way that he can move at this weight, uh, but can he still move, will he still move this way if he were to pack on X amount? Like, can he even add that weight? Like, what will it do to him? Cause it's not like he's fast, right? Like he's not a, he's not a fast like sprinter. Um, you know, he's, he can move, you know, in tight spaces, but he's not like a guy who's going to run the floor and dunk. Like, it's not what he is. Uh, So, uh, you know, for me, I think the biggest thing is just that um, I don't view Chet as like someone who's going to be an offensive, like focal point. Um, Just, you know, you saw whenever they played, you know, really good teams, um, you know, his role was kind of marginalized. And I think the hard part also is, you know, how much that's by design, you know, Gonzaga, obviously they had an experienced point guard with Nemhard who they can kind of, you know, let run the offense. And then Drew Timmy, obviously great college player who can, you know, go get a bucket. So like they didn't necessarily need Chet to do that. Um, But there are also times where he kind of, you know, was passive in some ways in terms of scoring. And there are also times where he just, it was kind of clear that he just wasn't going to be able to just go get a bucket. So like, you know, that his offense to me is just not as projectable as as Jabari's and it's such an offense first league. Um, And, you know, to me, the biggest thing is just, you know Jabari is a better shooter than Chet and he's a better shooter than Paolo uh he's an entire year younger than Chet Jabari is uh and I think he's always going to be a better shooter than those two guys just because like if you whenever you end up seeing him Jory Smith play in person you'll know what I'm talking about it's just like it's just like you see him shooting it's like oh, like you know it's the type of thing that scouts you know whatever you can use whatever platitude you want but it's just it's legitimate like you know I saw Auburn play a bunch I spent some time with Jabari I went down to Auburn I uh, did a story on him so like I'm pretty familiar with that, and I feel pretty comfortable he's going to be really good. Um, and so, you know, that, that's it for me. It's not so much that, like, I think Chet's going to be a bust. I just think Jabari's is a better prospect. Gotcha. Yeah.
3: Uh, last thing on just the general the general draft, kind of leaning towards more uh, Thunder focused. A lot of fans are kind of holding out hope that since the top five in this draft is a bit weaker, oh, he's gone.
1: Looks like we lost Jeremy.
3: We lost right. Jeremy. Give him
1: just a second. I'm sure he'll jump back in as we... uh... What's up, Thunder fans? This is Jacob from the Uncontested Podcast. And I'm here to let you know that we have fully redesigned our merch store to get you the best Thunder swag available. Just visit CottonBureau.com and search the Uncontested Podcast to find all of our new designs. That's C O T T O N. B-U-R-E-A-U.com and search The Uncontested Podcast to find new drops like Josh Giddy's Wizard of Oz or an ode to the Trey Man Step Back. We've also got all the classics like Dortal Combat, Liu Tang Clan, and everyone's favorite MVP, Shea Gilgis Alexander. The best part? You can get any design and the style of apparel you want. So if you're gearing up for the summer and want a tank top, needing a hoodie for the winter in Australia, or you're wanting a Pokemon onesie for your baby, we've got you covered. Make sure to go to cottonbureau.com and search The Uncontested Podcast to get your new Thunder gear today.
2: There he is. We're back. I think I accidentally hit the like a button. <laughs> <laughs>
3: oh, you're good. You're good, man. You're good. All right, continue. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> um, so a lot of friend a lot of Thunder fans, since the uh, you know the Thunder didn't get like the top like top three lottery odds, are holding out hope that it'll be easier uh, to trade up in this draft because of the perceived uh, lack of higher end talent, like there was last year. Uh, I know last year people were saying like there's no way Detroit or Cleveland, Houston are trading out of their position no matter what is offered. You think that's true that it that it would be easier to move up in this draft? Um, again, it's kind of hard
2: to say because we don't know what picks they're going to have yet, right? Like Mm -hmm. it depends on our try. It always depends how high you're trying to get and what you want to give up. Um, like I don't know. I mean, if we let's say like if we assume OKC has four and and twelve and it just like stays the way it is, I mean. You know if you want to get to one like that totally depends on how attached that team is right like i think everyone's gonna listen to offers but um it's hard to say like now let's say okay see maybe their pick falls back to like six again can you combine six and 12 to get to four maybe uh but again it, it, so much of that is going to depend on you know who is picking where and how they value those different guys like you know I, I think it is fair to say like you know there is kind of a generally like loosely defined top four with those four guys um And, you know, so maybe then five becomes a spot where maybe whoever is at five, maybe you're like, I don't want to pick at the top of this next group. Maybe someone really wants someone who like, you know, let's say you're picking, you know, eighth and the, you know, who's going to, someone's not going to get to you. So you want to come up to five or six, like, you know, those are the type that's how deals happen. Right. But uh, it's hard to say right now, like in a month, it'll be easier to know. Makes sense.
1: Um, Jimmy, let's transition to talking a little more Thunder specific. We, we've talked about the the general class of 2022. Um, knowing kind of how Sam Presti drafts, uh, knowing what types of players, especially recently uh, that he's targeted, which seems to be uh, guys that are versatile, uh, high skilled it's a running joke amongst Thunder fans that he loves international guys. He's never going to draft an American ever again. He drafts Josh Giddy and Alexei Pokashevsky. Um, but kind of knowing the the archetype of what Sam Presti and the Thunder have targeted, who in this draft is like, is, is there a no-brainer, this is a
2: Thunder type of guy prospect? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I mean, if you want to talk about, like, international guys, I mean, I do think, like, Dyson Daniels fits what they want you know he and Giddy are are tight uh but like uh, they uh you know he does kind of fit that archetype like if you look at what they're doing it's like they're taking chances on size and skill a lot um and you know Dyson Daniels kind of fits that I, I would look at like Jeremy Sohan like you know I don't know if those guys are there at 12 but uh you know if those guys one of those two are there at 12 I would think those are those guys are good fits um I do think Chet kind of like does kind of fit like what they're doing because they know they're going to be patient and have time to figure it out with him. Uh, like, it wouldn't shock me if that's like a realistic, you know, Chet's destination. Like, I don't know if they would necessarily take him one, but if they're picking two, maybe. And if Jabari Smith is gone, maybe it's, you know, maybe then Chet appeals to them more than the Ivy or Urban Caro. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I actually do think he makes sense with them. Um, I don't know if you can play Chet and Poku, but. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's 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 always funny i was i was joking uh with people a couple of years ago i was like yeah chet's like the midwest poku obviously uh now <laughs> different players but that was a joke that i made over time so like um but those are those are guys who i think would be interesting interesting fits just kind of for what they've done in terms of like size field skill and like upside
1: awesome so before you ask the next question uh jeremy staying on that same topic i gotta ask um one guy that's quickly becoming one of my draft crushes this year Uh, Usman Jang from, from France playing for the New Zealand breakers. Uh, Is he one that you can kind of see in that mold as well, or is his game a little bit different?
2: Yeah, no, I I think he fits. Um, I could see him being in the mix for them at 12, or maybe they trade back a couple spots to take him. Like, uh, you know, he's interesting. Like he, he really did come on over the the back half of the season. Like I watched him early and then I kind of didn't watch him for a while. Dang. And then I, this week I've been actually watching his tape again. And he definitely, uh, you know, made some strides where I think, you know, he's probably a good bet to go when the top 20 is somewhere. Um, so, yeah, I mean, maybe maybe he does get in the mix for 12. Like, upside-wise, you can argue it just because he, you know, he is super skilled. He can shoot it. Uh He can pass it. Um You know, he's not, like, a very physical player. He's going to have to, like, put on some weight, but I think he'll probably be able to do that. Um, You know, and, again, I've never seen him play in person, so I don't have, like, a definitive, like, feeling about him yet. But I do think that you know, that's someone that could be in that conversation.
3: Nice. So the draft lottery three weeks away is just hypothetically say, OKC stays at four and 12 and you've kind of mentioned some guys already, but who would you select if they stay at four and 12? Like if, if Ivy's there, for example, would you go that route or go a different route?
2: Yeah. Yeah. If Ivy, if Ivy's there at four, like, yeah, if let's say the other three bigs are, are, you know, are gone. Yeah. I would for sure take Ivy at four. I just think the upside is, is there. Um, I think he, you know, again, it's kind of tough because they have so many ball handlers. But, you know, um, I don't think they're probably worried about that. I think they're just going to, you know, draft and develop. And, you know, if you have to make a trade, you make a trade. Like, you know, I do think it's possible they trade Shea at some point. But obviously they're going to do it when it's like the right time and they can get the most for him, I would think. Um, but anyway, I think, I think, you know, Ivy would be a fit just just off of you know, developmental upside and athleticism. And, you know, obviously they had success developing Westbrook, so Pressy has some idea of like what to do with that type of guard. Um, And obviously that was a long time ago, but, you know, I I don't think there's at least some parallel uh, in some way. And then, you know, at 12, um, yeah, I mean, that could go a lot of different ways. It kind of depends on who falls out of that top group, but like, you know, Jeremy Sohan, I think would be a really good fit if he's there at 12. Um, You know, I wonder if maybe they would you know, take a developmental big. They haven't really done that much in terms of like centers, but like Mark Williams would be interesting at twelve. Um, you know, guys like that. I mean, again, like you said, maybe Yang could be in the mix at twelve. Um, but yeah, it just kind of depends who falls because, I, like I said, I can get to maybe twelve or thirteen names, and then you know, after that, it's kind of messy. And twelve is kind of right at the back of that. So you know, you know, Matherin, AJ Griffin, like those guys could be on the board.
1: Let's do another hypothetical real quick, Jeremy. Um, let's say lottery night comes along and the basketball gods smile upon Sam Presti and OKC uh, and their own pick jumps to one and that Clippers pick at 12 uh, also hits and jumps to two <laughs> and they have pick one and two in the draft. Uh, who do you think that they should take at one and two if they got back to back picks at the very top end?
2: Sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would definitely, I would take Jabari Smith at one Um and stuff. I mean, like, if it were me, if it were me, I might take Ivy at two. Um well, I'm not 100. I'm not 100 like set on how I feel about that yet. But I do like think I'd probably be tempted just just because of the the upside factor there. Um, and I think you know, if you're just thinking about like floor balance and position, and you know, the two the two upside players, you know, play different positions. It's kind of nice. Like, I do think you know, if you took Jabari and you paired him, like, you know, he could play with Paolo or Chet, but it would there at least be some like floor overlap in terms of like spots whatever um you know i think you'd probably you know want to pair him with a guard so like that's maybe what i would do and then you know knowing giddy is there would help a lot because you know the guys will get the ball you know where they like it uh, i think that'd be interesting but obviously probably highly unlikely <laughs>
1: yeah i i've seen the the percentage chance of that and i want to say it's like Zero point three percent or something like that, but I think a lot of Thunder <laughs> fans are uh, are the Dumb and Dumber meme on that. So you're saying there's a chance
2: <laughs>
3: if I spin Tankathon enough times, eventually I'll get that. <laughs> uh, so we we talked about uh, some some hypotheticals at four and twelve for the Thunder. They also have pick thirty and thirty four. Uh, I know that that range of players is very wide, very fluid. Are there any guys in that range that you're like kind of falling in love with later into this process? yeah um yeah i think it's an interesting range to pick in like
2: it's going to be kind of interesting to see who falls like a lot's going to change but like some of the guys i like in the early second round um i like keon ellis from from alabama is like a role guy like i don't know if he's really like a thunder guy because he's not necessarily like upside guy but you know, I think he's a good like plug and play kind of like wing who can shoot and plays defense and like does a lot of stuff. Well, um, I, I like Keon Ellis a lot. Um, David Roddy, I think is interesting if he ends up staying in the draft, uh, you know, in the 30 to 35, like um, just, he's another guy where I think it just kind of might work. Like he shoots it well and he's super skilled and, you know, he's got this uniquely kind of like football body, um, but he's quick and kind of makes it work and um you know he's he's another guy who i like uh someone who might be like a thunder type guy who might be like josh Minot, who's kind of a interesting project um is the type of guy who i could see them taking a shot on like as a development player you know at 30 if he's there he could he could go, go higher than that um i don't know if patrick baldwin actually makes it to 30 but i would for sure take him at 30 if he made it that far uh, I would take a chance, like when there's basically no risk at that point. Um, particularly, you know, they had, knowing that they have three picks or four picks, really in the top thirty-five. I mean, you can, you, know, you can take a swing um, later on, and it's probably not gonna, you know, make or break you. So that's those are the types of guys uh, I would guess that it's probably the route they take if they keep those picks. Awesome.
1: Well, Jeremy, we want to be respectful of your time, so thank you so much for coming on the show. This is really enlightening to kind of get your perspective on the draft coming up. Um, can you? I, I don't know if you're allowed to do this, but I'm going to ask you on the podcast, anyways. Uh, are you allowed to uh, to let us know at what point you have like your new draft, uh, your new mock draft, your new big board uh, coming out for SI? I know you dropped a, a mock draft. Um, gosh, time bleeds together for me now. Right before uh, the end of the the playing games. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so when when can we expect the next one from you?
2: Yeah, so I'm going to update the rankings. I think next week. So like keep on, on, on lookout for that. Cause I, I always wait until like after the early entry list is out. Cause that just makes it easier to like know who I have to rank. And, you know, for me, it's like anyone who's on the list, like even if they might go back, like if you're on the early entry list, I feel like I can then rank that player. Cause technically for sure. they're, you know, technically they're in the draft right now. So, so that'll come out and that'll be, you know, pretty expansive um, next week. And then I don't know if I'll have a mock until like, I always do one like the night of the lottery, like right after the lottery and that might be the next one. Uh, Cause I don't know how much is going to change between now and then, um, but so that'll sure. probably be the next one. So th- that's what I have coming for the, in, in that regard.
1: Awesome. Well, we look forward to that. You guys make sure to go check out all of Jeremy's stuff over on sports illustrated. Uh, we will be back with you all again, uh, Sunday night at 9 PM central time. Go follow Jeremy on Twitter at Jeremy Wu and Jeremy again, man. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. We really appreciate you.
2: No, thank you guys. I appreciate it.
1: All right, we'll talk to you guys soon. Until then, and as always, thunder up.